Hi, Stogie. How you doing, Yolanda? How are you, Queen? Hey, I'm awesome. Welcome back to Atlanta, first and foremost. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Um, I love this city. It's um, it's my um, uh, I drove up from New York again. Um, I went to New York because I flew in from Los Angeles and I went to New York. Okay. And I had a big reunion up there because I had a couple shows up there. And uh, the hip hop legend Radio Raheem produced a yes. couple shows up there for me. And, um, and then I drove back down to Atlanta. And uh, I saw some folks there, and they told me that they were coming back to Atlanta last week. Well, they had um, Bronx Day in Atlanta. Mm, That's right. They mm. had a huge reunion here for Bronx. Oh, yes. That's how many New Yorkers are here. Yeah. I mean, everything happens in everything happens in Atlanta. You know, one of the things, Stogie, and you, I'll let you hear a couple of calls as we get into the story about Cecil the Lion and the hunting of Cecil and so right. forth. And, uh, and one of the things we've been truly talking about, Antavius, is uh, as we talk about this Confederate flag. And uh, all these uh, all these other symbols, I continue to add when people want they want people to take down their Confederate flag, you know. Like, but what would you put up in place? And we don't have a conversation. We because we we are not holding on to. I mean, you can talk about Dr. King and all that, but we're just not holding on to our legacies. Well, they could put the anger if they just wanted to, the anger was the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. but they could take the anger and put it in a pair of shades if they want right. to. Then all of a sudden, we you can't wear no shades. Exactly. If you, you white, you can't wear no shades. Right. Don't wear no shades if you white around me because you, we know you mean ill will right. to me. So I, mean, I I agree with the Confederate flag because the symbol of it is hate clearly, mm-hmm. but. As you've stated, what is in place of it? Right. Where we go? Right. And it's like we continue to tell people to get rid of their symbols, but what are our symbols? And we had a conversation on the air. It's like, okay, well, what flag would you fly? And wow. then we got into a debate with those who don't want to carry the red, black, and green. You know, <laughs> I mean, we, we just conflicted like that. And one of the reasons we are conflicted is because we really and truly don't know our history. And we sleep on the fact mm-hmm. that people make it their life's passion yeah. to tell these stories. When I met, Brother Stogie. Stogie, give me your last name because I think I'm saying it wrong. Stogie Kenyatta. I was Kenyatta. right. Stogie Kenyatta. When I see that, it is his life's passion to go around this country and beyond really? and tell the story of Paul Robeson. Is that right? I'm, uh, I'm not playing yeah. with you. And not only that, he takes, when I say the life story, we yeah. watch him transition. And, and here's the thing, if you've not seen a one man play or one woman play and to see them transition yeah. you when you leave out there you really think you've seen five or six people and then keep in mind that paul robinson was such a, such a complex individual exactly i mean this is a guy who was not also academically inclined but had talent beyond talent beyond talent right. he just couldn't be stopped what i don't understand is is stogie is that we had that kind of potential in us yeah now is what i from what i've learned from the play in history paul robinson's parents was escaped slaves. slaves. That's right. That's absolutely right. Who right, went on to edu- right. yeah? Who went on to educate a young man, mm-hmm. their son, to the highest level? Who went on to achieve the highest level in everything he did? How who want to become a member of Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated? Yeah, go ahead and throw that mm-hmm. out there too. But how do we get back to now? We got a rapper who tells everybody we started from the bottom when we remember started from the top. That's why I want to know. You know what I'm saying? And people get upset me when, whenever they say we started from the bottom. And I correct them. No, we started from the top. You really, you really are into the Paul Robeson thing, right? I love. Okay, so Paul here's Robeson. the deal. So here's the. You said mm-hmm. whoever you saw, mm-hmm. if he came up to you, everybody, you understand this show is like everywhere, right? right. So whoever comes to you and say, and he embodies, yeah, he Paul Robeson, mm-hmm. that you you might marry him. I might marry him. I don't want to hold you to that, but I will okay. ask you this yes. to make bet with me. When you you seen this play and you were transformed, you enjoyed it. 
idea. I was If you enjoy, and Brother Stogie is in it, right? Yeah. That if you, if a Brother Stogie, that means that you got to give even a better performance this time. Oh, Because listen to me closely. Because when you come out of this play, after you come out of this play, if it's as good as it was last time, I want you to walk up to the first brother, the first Dosker brother, and just twerk for him. And then he want me to twerk for him. See, push it, roll yeah, him, yeah. roll him when I do. But no, Stogie, do tell us though. Why is this your life passion? Well, um, uh, Robeson is—he's—he's uh, he's a symbol of black manhood. He was—he um, was—he defined—he defined our struggle better than anyone else because he was the paradigm for African American success. At the time, um, he was born in 1898. 1898, he was. Mm. Uh, the son of a runaway slave. Harriet Tubman went and brought his father up as a 15-year-old boy from Raleigh, North Carolina, to Philadelphia. And so um, uh, he grew up, um, he was the youngest of five, and he went to a segregated uh, elementary school. They didn't have segregated high schools then because high school was considered high education for blacks, and they had no desire for them to. But his father, being a minister, got him into the segregated high school and he did so well there that he was the third African-American to get an academic scholarship to Rutgers University. And uh, he did so well at Rutgers, he played football, baseball, basketball, and he ran track. And uh, he made All-American on the football team. And he did so well academically that he got a 4.0 grade point average. And he was the valedictorian in 1919. You know, that all that is true, but... Help me understand why is it that we really never began to celebrate Paul Roberson until maybe I remember like the eighties or the nineties he became. He, you think it was media? It was media. Um, that, uh, that's, that's a good question. The reason why is because. Well, uh, do this for only... me. Do this for me, brother Stogie. Think about that. Answer yeah. it on the other side of the break for me, okay? Tavius Weems, <laughs> you guys are no stranger because he comes in and sits in for Derek. And the, Absolutely. Yeah, I needed him as the wingman today. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Tell me, before we go back, yeah, back yeah. To, to Paul Ferguson, I just don't understand how you let these people go kill, you know, the cowardly line from the woods. I know. I know. I was, I, and you know what? I, I had put out the hashtag unbothered for a while. And as soon as I started saying I'm unbothered, <laughs> it's like, oh, head just broke loose. You know, so and I, I still want to be unbothered, but I got to get in on some of this. Jimmy Kimmel crying about it is what upset Jimmy me. Jimmy Kimmel, no, really? Yes, he did. Well, in, you know that's why I was monologue. late because you know I, I figure I would go get fit for my lion suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So because you go audition for the wig? Uh, no, no. no. Black lives don't matter, but black but gold the, lines exactly. do. Exactly. So everybody's I'm, getting the, co- the I'm lion getting me a lion costume, costume. And, and we should all put them on one day and, and drive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we won't get stopped. We won't get shot. I mean, if we do, everybody be upset about it. There you go. Yeah. There you. Go. I mean, that's probably see. That's probably divine intervention. We're supposed to get back to nature anyway. So there exactly. you go. You don't solve that one. All you right. Solve that one. We're gonna go back to Stogie, Sto, Stogie Kenyatta because uh, it is his life's passion to continue the story of Paul Rosen, and he is doing it on stage all across the country. And we are blessed, more than blessed, to have him on stage in Atlanta this weekend, y'all. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I know I tell you all the time, please go out and support because when you support live, yeah. you support local. So. We got. We asked the question. Uh, you asked the question before we left. Why is it that we only came to really giving thought to Paul Robeson during the eighties? Yeah. And we want him to answer that. And then I want him to tell him where everybody can see the show. Stogie. 
Yeah, um, well, one of the reasons is that um, uh, both the media, white America, and to some segments of black America were not comfortable with black intelligentsia. And, you know, to have um, a brother who uh, can graduate in 1919 uh, magna cum laude and then go on to law school and speak 15 languages, um, you know, Langston Hughes used to tell him that it's not that colored people, well, which we, who called us at the time, didn't love you, he said, but the Negro people said they just don't have the intellect to understand you. He said, you know, you're a, an honors graduate, valedictorian with a law degree. And he said at that time, most of African America were lucky if they got a year of high school. He said, you speak 15 languages and you traveled all over the globe, and um, they were struggling to learn one. You know, um, Robeson was, um, along with W.E.B. Du Bois, he started the OAU, the Organization for African Unity. Um, he was one of the first, um, through his uh, knowledge of Marcus Garvey, to make the um, connection between the continental African and the African-American, telling them that they were brothers. He was so influential in this period of time that he influenced and he was a mentor to Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier, as well as Jackie Robinson, whom um, he helped, along with Bill Bojangles Robinson, a Negro League millionaire, to get into um, the Dodgers and to be the first um, African player, African American player with the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, and um, and quite uniquely, if not for Paul Robeson, we wouldn't have Barack Obama as president. And a lot of people are surprised when they hear me say that, but I point out to them that um, Paul Robeson uh, taught his mentors, his mentees, that two things, and one of them was that uh, the African American and the continental African were one people, and he also taught them that the number one way to advance through a society was through education. And he said that we had a moral and cultural obligation to help educate our brothers in African uh, who were qualified to go to American University to help them get a better education. And so in 1959, his three mentees, Jackie Robinson, Sidney Poitier, and Harry Belafonte, started a foundation to educate African students. And they said those that could get into and pass the college entrance examination test they would pay for their education here in America. So they started a foundation to do so, and they were looking for which college would ha hold them. And none of the 48 colleges said, now we don't want Africans coming here. We don't care who's paying for it. We don't want them coming here. But our newest state was Hawaii. And Hawaii said, hey, we're not that white ourselves. We're kind of dark brown. We're kind of brown. And we only been in the American state for a short period of time. We haven't learned to hate anybody yet. So you could send them here. So they said, fine, we'll send them to um, University of Hawaii. So then they went to Africa and started in West Africa and went all the way around the Horn um, to find the students that would be bright enough and score high enough to enter um, American universities and study and spoke well enough English. And they found 72 students. And they brought 72 students from Africa, all over Africa. But among the 72 students was a brilliant math student from the mountainsides of Kenya. And his name was Barack Obama. And they brought him at 19 years old to the University of Hawaii. And that is how he got from Kenya to the University of Hawaii, because Paul Robeson mentees, who he gave this message to in this vision, to go all the way to Africa to bring these students here to study at the University of Hawaii. That's how they wound up in Hawaii, and that's how they wound up in America. And so it shows that one person can make a difference, even if you're not around to see the difference that you made years earlier.
And so that's part of the beauty of it. And it's such a unique story because uh, in this story, I have a screenwriting background. And I wrote this story on Paul Robeson. And when I started it, there's a thread that runs through it. You know, in the Quran, it says um, civilization begins at the feet of women. And so I started with this little runaway slave black girl who at 19 years old escaped from slavery in Massachusetts and went to Massachusetts with the abolitionists and studied the routes to go back. And this lady's young lady sister's name was Harriet Tubman. And she went back looking for her sister, her brothers, and her mother to get them out of bondage. And when she got there, she didn't find them, but she found other slaves and she brought them. And among them was that Harry Bell was um, uh, William Drew Robeson, which was Paul Robeson's father from the Robeson Plantation in Raleigh, North Carolina. And she didn't know at that time when she went down there that this little 19-year-old girl to get that boy, that that boy that she got, would become the man that would have five sons, the youngest of which would be Paul Robeson, and he would become internationally famous and speak many languages, and he would influence that Jamaican immigrant, uh, Harry Belafonte, that Bahamian immigrant, uh, Sidney Poitier, and that son of a Louisiana slave, Jackie Robinson, to go all the way to, Cal to, to Africa wow. and bring the boy that would become the man that would later have the boy that would become our first black president. Wow. Let, let me ask you, I mean, you seemingly, not seemingly, it's apparently, you passion. are, yeah, this is your life's passion. But did you talk about, I mean, because keep in mind, you know, Paul Robeson, he was polarizing in some instances, and he was an enigma, because at the time upon which he became this person that he became, it really was, you know, out of the ordinary. And, and he wasn't wholly accepted in our community. Do you touch on the complexity of of his person, because you, you keep in mind, you had W.E.B. Du Bois on one end, but you had Booker T. Washington on the other end that was talking a totally different language. Well, Paul Robeson was more with the Pan-African movement, and Paul Robeson was only polarizing to really white folks, because, see, to us as blacks, they said, well, Paul Robeson, he didn't denounce communism or Russia, okay? And they asked Paul, do you prefer communism as opposed to democracy and what we have here in America? Robeson's answer was, I prefer any ideology that does not have a black man swinging from the end of a rope at sundown, My okay? Because there was a lot of lynchings going on. So you have to take into the, the social criteria at the time. America, not just black people, America was an illiterate nation in the 20s and 30s, okay? Uh, I covered, a, um, when I go through the Harlem Renaissance period and I covered the Depression in the show, you know, and I talk about how white folks are starving. They lost so much money. They were jumping off of buildings. They go three days hungry. They would kill themselves and jump out of buildings. Mm -hmm. And they had soup lines and bread lines all over New York City with white people on it. And I stopped in the middle of the plane. I said, so, you know, if white folks were starving, you know, black folk wasn't eating. Okay. We don't understand how we got through that, you know, because with Jim Crow and, and segregation, we were only allowed to buy from and sell to each other because there was a shortage of goods. Okay, we're amazing, resilient people. Okay, we're also no other ethnic group can lay claim to that. We, descendants of those rebellious African slaves, have invented every form of music on the planet Earth, with the exception of opera and classical. All right, Stogie, mm -hmm. hold for me one more, one more segment. Plus, we got some calls for you. Do we have you for more? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. In four zero four eight nine two two seven zero three. See, we can get upset and cry about Cecil. 
But we've yet to mourn Paul Robeson, and That's he right. has set life in order. Talk 1380 WAOK, Yolanda and Antavius Weems, attorney yeah, yeah. Antavius Weems, is in the building <laughs> today. And we're talking with Stogie Kenyatta, who is in town. It's his life passion that we begin to learn, uh, first and foremost, and honor the story of Paul Robeson, who just pretty much set it out for us, Fam, uh, father and just father as an escape slave because you you hear people talk about the field negro and the house negro all the time but nobody want to talk about the escape the one who escaped and and to have i mean i just love the story of paul robeson and i i'm just honored and i admire it so much that when stogie said he was coming bringing the bringing the play back and it's a one-man play and, and you really watch him go from playing paul robeson as a youth all the way to uh, adulthood i mean really? can you, yes to see, it opens. With How him. old is is is, is Stogie? Stogie is about our age. And he goes. And he, he comes out when he comes out on stage. He, he and I'll let him tell you that. But I do want to let me just grab a couple calls and comments so that Stogie can answer those. And then I want Stogie to tell y'all where y'all can see this play this week. But let me go ahead and grab Steve. Steve, what's your comments? Hey, I just wanted to say that um, I appreciate the fact that we're talking about Paul Robeson and we could go on until midnight and just scratch the surface of how complex he mm -hmm. was. Probably the most dynamic um, leader, um, internationally speaking, um, of the 20th century that we had. And what we should also realize is that this was a man in the early 50s earning up to uh, $300,000, $400,000 a year. And he was told by the powers that be, if you just continue to perform, and, and put on your concerts and don't speak about social and political ills, you can, you can be a rich man. But he was one who was unbought and unbought. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, by and large, I believe that Paul Robeson became um, anyone associated with him. It was political suicide because he was a communist sympathizer. And we have to realize that the Cold War, Cold War started shortly after World War II. And so he became... Um, someone no one could associate with, Dr. King and the likes. And he even had members who at some time were communist sympathizers, and, and he had to get rid of them. Last, I just want to say, Brother Stogie talked about his um, his international notoriety. And we should keep in mind that many of the African nations that were gaining their independence in the 50s and 60s, they were all socialist nations. So while we were trying to integrate toilets and lunch counters, the rest of the world was moving at breakneck speed towards socialism. Mm -hmm. And and Du Bois and Robeson were by far the leaders in this country and in uh, that political fate. But none of our leaders would touch them because uh, they were, for the most part, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? They were um, co-opted. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And it's interesting because we still face that to they this day. If you If you don't speak about the truth, you could be well paid. And, and as a blogger, I hear that every day. It's like, well, drivers, can't you just start like a little blog yeah. on the side? And do, yeah. You know, yeah. you hear that every day. Let me let uh, Stogie comment. I think Stogie was on one. Stogie, is that you? Yes, I'm here. I'm okay. here. And that was, a, that was a, uh, uh, an excellent call and a very educated response. I, I really appreciate that. Um, that, that that's absolutely right. Um, uh, w without a doubt, uh, Robeson played a C price for it. They told him one time, and they said he was invited to sing at the White House uh, for President Harry Truman. And they said, listen, Paul, Paul, what are you complaining about? You're rich. You're making over several hundred thousand dollars a year. He was a millionaire in his time. He was well off. And you live in a mansion in Connecticut. For God's sakes, we treat you well. Because he used to say, he used to call America, land of the free, home of the slave. 
and they would say, damn, Paul, seriously? You can't just come and sing a song and do that? <laughs> Paul would stop in the middle of a concert because he said, I'm not playing to segregated audiences. If mm -hmm. you didn't let no black people in, he'd do his first opening song. He says, unless a man or woman of color could stand up and show themselves to me, this concert will be canceled. Wow. He did that to a sold-out concert in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and, and so he, it was a constant thing. But he told him, he said, listen, because you treat me with some modicum of decency, if you think that it'll excuse your mistreatment of 16 million of my brothers and sisters, then you are mistaken. He yelled at President Harry Truman when they were lynching black soldiers coming home from World War II, because not all white men could fight because they weren't the right age, they didn't have the strength in the whole thing. So when we fought in World War II, we came back as heroes. And we were dropped off at Grand Central Station in Times Square, New York City, and we took buses down to their homes in the Deep South. And as they passed through segregated counties in Georgia, the Carolinas, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, they were being dragged off the buses and lynched with American military uniforms still on their backs. Mm -hmm. And Paul Robeson went there at the White House, and he threatened, and he spoke, and that was part of the black ball, you know, because he went off on the President Truman. Mm -hmm. He also uh, fought for... Uh, Soviet jewelry from the standpoint that he said, because when he left America, he thought racism was black and white. He thought they hated us because we looked different, the whole thing. But he didn't, he didn't see the gross and the vast evil, okay, um, of, 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 of white racism. Because when he got to Europe and he saw German Jews with black hair and looked just like white people, putting other uh, uh, German Jews in concentration camp and burning their children, mm. he saw that hatred didn't have a complexion, it didn't have a nationality, that it was the heart of man. It caused it a period of darkness. There's a period in the piece where I got Donald Byrd, Christ the Redeemer, playing and uh, rapping the Kente Cloth and Othello Robe, and we go through that and cover this friendship because he was close friends. He studied in London with um, Kwame Nkrumah, Jomo Kenyatta, and all of these guys, and W.E.B. Dubois. And these guys started the OAU together, Organization of African Unity. And they saw that, okay? And he knew what a progressive people we were. So he was very well, he was very, very well feared because we were thought to be superior athletically and physically, but inferior in t intellectually. Mm -hmm. And Paul Robeson blew all of that out the water at a period of the time when it was like, you know, we're talking Jackie, Jesse Owens, destroying the German Olympics, and now you got the smartest guy in the room, happens to be a six-foot-four, 235-pound black man. Okay, dark with skin, a great smile and this, and this deep voice. Okay, team dark skin. No, but really, though, you know, mm -hmm. that, that was key. I mean, remember, we're still in, in that dark skin, light skin right. thing now, but imagine back in those days yeah. what it meant to be a dark skin African-American man. Right. So we do this because people want to know where can they see the play. Give us the name of the play, and, and I know you've got a several dates this weekend. Uh, yes. Um, uh, we have uh, starting on Friday, um, tomorrow night in Hapeville, at the Hapeville Performing Arts Center, which is at 599 North Central Avenue uh, in Atlanta. And um, there's a phone number there, which is 404-474-8332. Tickets are only twenty dollars. Uh, I wanted to keep it that rate because you know um, um, uh, to attract some of the people for which audience for which it was intended. Then we have Saturday and Sunday at the Stockbridge Art Center in Stockbridge, one forty-six Burke Street in Stocksville, Georgia, uh, right outside. The same twenty dollars and the same phone number four zero four four seven four 
1-800-273-8332. And, um, and those two dates, um, it's uh, Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. And the Sunday, as a matinee show, it's, uh, it's at 5 p.m. the matinee on Sunday. And so it's three shows. It's a great theater. It's an intimate experience. I do Q&A afterwards. Um, I play 12, 14 characters in the, 14 characters in the piece. Mm. I have five costume changes. It goes. We have an intermission. Um, it's a wonderful thing. We got anniversary posters, and um, I'm going to. Uh, after I go back to California, I'll be in Martha's Vineyard for the premiere in Martha's Vineyard, and the first family will be there. And I'm hoping that um, security will allow um, our great president or someone in the first family to come out and see the show. But um, it's performed in eight countries. It's won the NAACP Award for Best One-Person Show, and I've performed um, all over the world with it and done over 300 university performances as well and U.S. Embassy performances as well. Okay. So um, well, uh, I'm looking forward to America's Chocolate City Atlanta coming out. There you go. All right. Well, hold for me just a moment. I'm going to talk to you off the break, see if we can get another segment because we've got more questions and comments for you. People are loving hearing this kind of conversation about Paul Robeson. Uh, we're going to put seasons to the side, and we're going to take that, that, that energy and that morning you're doing, and we're going to talk about Paul Robeson. The American Negroes have turned out to be an extraordinarily gifted people. The great tragedy is that by not making us full-class citizens as yet in America, they may be losing I don't know how much yet. And to come back, I would say that unquestionably, I am an American, born there, uh, my father slave there. Upon the backs of my people was developed the primary wealth of America, the primary wealth. You have to have accumulated wealth to start, you know, to build. You did it another way here in Australia. You, you know, you had to build your accumulated wealth too. You just came and took it. You know what I mean? And that's what they did in most of the countries. That's what you West. That's what you Europeans did. You just took it. We got to catch up with you a little bit. News and Talk 1380 <laughs> WAOK. That was Paul Robeson speaking unapologetically. Absolutely. We we hear people say that all day, all all the time. I'm unapologetic. Nah. There. That right there. Was did un- you hear him? That was it. That's what you Europeans do. You just come and take it. You just come and take it. You just come and take it. We got to catch up with you. <laughs> but and, and, and the thing about it is, not only did we catch up to them, we in in most cases surpassed. We surpassed them. We surpassed them. Uh, so. but, but unfortunately, what we were talking about in the break is that our kids don't have a great appreciation right. for people like Paul Roberson. You know, and I had this debate even about Bill Cosby, and I know everybody has their own ideologies with respect to that. But what's really going on behind the scenes? Right. You know, so because this is one of our icons. Mm-hmm. That's one again. There is a war in my mind on black men, not African-American men, black men. Mm-hmm. Ever since Barack Obama became president, there every black man had a target on his back. Well, I mean, the war was officially declared. I mean, it was there were manifestos. There were <laughs> threats. Everything is like if he gets in office, this and that and the other. We gonna get y'all. It's gonna happen. (laughs) It's going down. I mean, today, as a matter of fact, is Beer Summit Day. Now the president wants to continue to ignore it, but he he had Beer Summit Day if you remember in his first time office, and that was July thirtieth. And uh, and now we still we still need to address the issue that's going on with police. I want to bring Stogie back on, and we're gonna let Stogie take some calls. Stogie, just reiterate for me because. That role, you've made it your life passion to continue the voice of Paul Robeson. You said you're going to be at Hateville for two performances, or three actually. You've got two. And well, on one, in Hateville, one in Hateville Friday night, 8 o'clock uh, in Hateville. Um, performing Arts. Right, at the, the Performing Arts Center at 599 North Central Avenue there and um, at, at 8 o'clock um, this Friday, and then um, Saturday and Sunday in Stockbridge Arts Center. 
Stop you know, um, okay. 45 Burke Street. And the phone number is 404-474-8332. And uh, you could um, you can have reservations here. I have it a very um, uh, community-friendly uh, price of $20. And it's an amazing show um, uh, that is uh, will uplift and educate, you know, because um, uh, a lot of what we deal with, you know, in the context, it keeps recycling itself. And this is how life is because everything's of significance goes in circles and cycles. And, you know, um, and so we, we constantly have to reaffirm, reeducate. And I always tell folks, you know, when you have young kids, is that you can't get mad at them not knowing something you didn't take the time to teach them. Exactly. And this is a unique way of educating us through entertainments and arts, okay? And so uh, and, uh, we've been doing it for a century. We're a very unique ethnic group. And we are the most powerful, most progressive race of people on the planet Earth, mm. this African in America. And, you know, uh, and it bears out because, you know, as I said, uh, we're the most imitated culture on the planet. And, uh, and there's a reason for that, you know. And, so, and we're also the most despised. So we have to balance that out, you know, with education because um, that's the only way we can uplift our race. Wow. we got a couple calls for you. I'm going to ask you. To, I'm going to go to uh, Cornell on two. Cornell, what's your comment? Hey. Hey, hey, I got a, I, I got a comment for you. Which uh, black president that's on a two dollar bill? Since you say Barack Obama is the first black president, I want to see since you in the history, who is the black president that's on the two dollar bill that's on the back of the two dollar bill? But Even I thought you said you had a man. comment. I thought you said you had a comment for us. You know, no, no, no. I, I want to, you know, because y'all, y'all getting off into the parlor and y'all getting off into history. Are you? Are you? I'm, I'm not understanding. Well, tell us. I mean, I, I don't Who tell it? us. Who, Who is, is it? John Henson is the first black president. John Henson is on the back of a two dollar bill. John right? Henson. John Henson. Now you can go and you can type it up, but check it out. Well, no, no. John Henson. Tell us who John and, Henson is. Huh? Tell us who John Henson is. John Henson is your first black president, not Barack Obama. When was he president? Barack Obama was the first black president up under the, the so-called United States. But Henson, right, is the one. But when was he first. president? What me? He was in the 1700s. And he, as a matter of fact, George Washington, since you want to go off into, like you say, history, George Washington was a general. And like he said, um, he was in charge, and his brother, Mr. Henson's brother, was the Secretary of State. Now go check that out. But, don't, but don't you remember, if you're talking about the John Henson that, that I think you're talking about, he was never a president. In fact, we didn't have presidents then. Crickets. Okay. In fact, he, he, I think he was a military person uh, that was that was kind of a leader of some sort. And I guess he would have been the equivalent of what would have been a president. But he only got it by default because the person who was in charge either killed or died or something like that. So I've heard this story before, but I don't think that's accurate. Gotcha. Sorry. And I'm not relevant right now without situation being what it is. Say that again, Stogie. I, I'm not sure it's relevant right now uh, with the situation being what it being is. Being what it is, right. Right. You know, because we went from that to, to, to say that, that then, we, then we went on to what? Fight for the right to vote? How do you have a black president? We couldn't vote until that, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, we were being lynched and all that, so it, it was like, you know, um, it, it, there, there's no, there, there's nothing to be gained by even that 
discussion from that point of view because the thing is, is this. It was 1861 before slaves were freed, and, you know, it took them two years before they notified the slaves on the West Coast in Louisiana and Texas. And so with all of that and the Tuskegee experiment and, 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 and lynching of 6,000 black people, you know, predominantly men, I, I, I don't understand what's to be gained by saying, hey, we used to be king. And that's not accurate at all. It's like it's not recognized as a president. We've only had 44 sitting presidents. This is our first black president. Absolutely. And in fact, John Henson, he was a part of the Liberia movement to relocate Africans back to to Africa. I mean, that was the whole story. I mean, he was a great man. Right. No, but no, he wasn't no, Paul no, Robeson. It's just but, not his day. It's Paul right. Robeson's day. Adam, go ahead with your comment. Hello? Hello. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, how you doing? Awesome. Good, man. This is this is like one of the... Zanon, every time I listen to you, you got like one of the top shows I ever want to hear. Besides Thank DB. you, darling. <laughs> man, I, I try to keep up with DB. I keep had to hot. come correct. Yeah, keep it hot. <laughs> yeah. You're right there in the same building doing the same thing. So there's a connection. It's just that when it gets strong, it's going to be crazy. But just to blend uh, the information for Paul Robeson concept of them killing the head of the lions and and the, you know for some what is really behind taking out that one particular line what's particular what's behind really taking out cosby you know there's a lot of things in particular as they look they look at us as you kill off the head the rest of them will, will fall apart but here's the interesting thing guys think about this we let me say this the story that replaced okay the cecil story replaced the cincinnati story mm-hmm Dude was shot, took his face off yeah. on camera. So right. one story just replaced the other. But you, it, are, but you understand, the, the Cincinnati story was actually replaced Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland, a woman. DB is on vacation, and Tavis Weems has me up in here just doing, saying all kind of things, y'all. Periscope, <laughs> Periscope is up. I just had to shut Meerkat hey, down because... I don't need too many records, but I do appreciate you coming in today. I'm happy to be here. I really am. And what what do you think about the conversation? I think we're having a wonderful conversation, a lively conversation about somebody who we can celebrate. You know, there's so much mess going on when it comes to us. It's refreshing to be able to celebrate someone. Uh, Thank you. And Stogie Carmichael is one of the reasons, Stogie (laughs) Kenyatta is one of the reasons that we can celebrate um, Paul Robeson this weekend because he has brought this story, which has gone around the world, to Atlanta. He's going to be at the Hateville Performing Arts Center on Friday and then Stockbridge, he's coming your way for Saturday and Sunday and that's a Sunday matinee and I love a Sunday matinee yeah. at 5 o'clock. Ooh, and it's the hour after I get off. How fast can I get to Stockbridge? I got to figure that out, Atlanta. <laughs> I'm going right back to the phones because so many of you want to talk to Stogie and let's just go ahead and go to Brother Jihad. Brother Jihad, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you all doing? Awesome. All right. How are you? Good, brother Kenyatta. Uh, thank you very much. I mean, uh, I'm I'm basically just super inspired with the the um, the uh, you know the like the simple information that that he has bought to put things in context, and and I just want to commend him on that, and also suggest that if he is is not selling this particular um, presentation on DVDs, that he should take a uh, page from Tyler Perry with this stupid movie that he does with the lady and put the, these things on DVDs and let people um, see the story and yeah. hear the story in the comfort of their homes and et cetera and, and at their convenience. Can I also Thank comment you so on much, my caller? brother. I really do appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Can I call, comment on the caller who talked about John Henson? 
Yeah, I think that that, that both informations are um, important. Uh, I think that the question, the way the caller presented his question and his comment, was really the problem. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. that um, um, you know the way he presented it, as if well, you all know how he presented. It. I think that was basically the problem. Right. But I see the correlation between uh, Henson and and this particular brother Kenyatta, who did the research. Did a, I mean, just super research. I mean, just super, super research on um, Paul Robeson. And I think that uh, if the caller is enthused about Henson, that he do the same thing. And, and both both information need to be shared. And, uh, Mr. Weems, you're 100% correct. And, and, and Mr. Kenyatta, that we're talking about the president of the United States. Henson was not the president of the United States. He was a, he was a leader of some congressional congress or some, something, whatever the early form right. of government that the country had. He was one of the supposedly leaders of that. So do the research so that when people ask him the question, he could respond completely. But right. we'll also I'll end with this one. Vessie and, and Robeson, I mean, two rich men, two rich black men, you know what I mean, who, who decided to sacrifice their wealth for the liberation of black people. I mean, the coalition go, is so great. Yes. We got such, such a great, I mean, we, we, we're beautiful people just like Brother Kenyatta said. And Brother Kenyatta, I definitely would try to be there Friday or Saturday. But I, I want to thank you for the uh, little small things that you done connected that make so much sense. You know what I mean? And one of the and I'll in the end with this, I promise you, when you said that the country was illiterate during the this particular time, the 20s and the 30s, I mean that also just is so small, but it puts things in a perspective for people to understand that we have just recently got to this age of education. You know what I mean? Where my mother or my father went to the sec- a fourth grade, my mother to the eleventh their parents to no grade. You understand what I'm saying? So I think Absolutely. I mean, you're so because beautiful, being, man. Yeah. So I'm going to hang up and listen, man. And Yolanda, thank you for the show. And Mr. So brother, brother, Great I appreciate show. you calling so much. Uh, I just want to say before you hang up, um, uh, all, all of um, uh, Yolanda's show guests, um, I have an anniversary poster uh, which has all the stuff there, which, which, which takes that trail from the Middle Passage all the way through slavery. And I'm, 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 I'm giving uh, complimentary posters uh, to all of the callers uh, from the show that come there because um, uh, I'm so moved that when I, when I have an audience because um, I've done it in Utah, I've done it all over the world, and we are the dominant culture because we are who moves the needle with the, the youth of America and the children. Even the people that despise us, their children are big Little Wayne followers and Wiz Khalifa followers and the whole thing. And I have more white folks that come up to me, Stogie, man, that name is Gangster. That name is Gangster, you know, and I'm like, what's your name? And it's like Peter, Paul, and this whole thing. And these are little white kids, but this is what I'm saying. though. But no, but without a doubt... Uh, it, it's vitally important to understand the social criteria under which Paul was working with. Being that we're coming out of slavery where it was illegal to even learn how to read, we had illiterate grandparents, as did they, because they were coming over from Germany and all these other countries. We're a nation of immigrants, a nation of illiterate immigrants, all struggling and chasing this American dream. And so these huddled masses that were yearning to breathe free, we were not included in that, you know? And that's why I almost took offense when he called him the president, because you can't have a president that predates the Constitution and the formation of what we call the Union of States, which became the United States of America. So I understand that. But, but more importantly, um, Robeson, uh, and particularly in the manner in which he did it, you know, did it with such dignity and class and, and, and the whole thing, it's uh, tremendous. And, um, and that's why I'm so moved to be on this radio program, you know, and to have the uh, intellectual, intelligent audience that you do have. So uh, I look Thank forward you. to it. But all of um, uh, uh, the dry uh, Yolanda's and um, the WALK, um, listeners, that they come there, you know, if they come and mention that, um, by all means, I will make sure that they get a, a poster. 
All right, let's go. I think we're going to go to Michael. Michael on line two. Good afternoon, both of you. Thank Good afternoon. You. I am. Good afternoon. Um, as a, I'm sorry, are there three people there? And Tavis is still here. I'm sorry. And Stogie's on, on the line with us. I didn't mean to include you. I'm not sorry. As a form, as an African American male, and as a former detective who is now a legal analyst, I want to actually shed some light, if I can, quickly on some things involving not just uh, the case in Cincinnati, but the case involving uh, Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote an article a while back, and I mean a couple of weeks ago, and I got blasted. So let me say this first to preface it: one, I don't think we should ever blame the victim. Two, there is a culture of institutional racism in this country that is blatantly obvious. That being the case, I think the only thing we can get from a tragedy is what we learn from it so it doesn't have to keep happening. In that case, uh, both DeBose and Sandra and Bland end up not being a total tragedy um, if we can take something from it. So that's what I want to address. Uh, I hear a lot of people going by rumors. I hear a lot of people going by hearsay or jumping on the bandwagon. I hear a lot of people who have not researched the law in Texas making comments. So my my take on the law, and I'll tell you what it is real quick, but my, what the law is, but my take on the law is I don't like the law in Texas. I don't particularly like Texas, really. Um, I don't like the law in Texas. I don't necessarily agree with the laws that were in place. But the trooper actually followed in three cases. There, and there are three cases where, unfortunately, Sandra Bland, got rest her soul, violated the law. Now, I don't, I don't think that she should have ended up dead. I think there's some funny business that went on. I think the jail should be held accountable, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'm on the bandwagon with the, with, with the right type of conscience with the African-American community. I know who I am. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Alyssa, when we come back, Ned, Neb, and David is going to get a chance to talk with Stogie Carmichael. Is in, dang, what, who is Stogie? Google that. Who is Stogie Carmichael? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Stogie Kenyatta is in Atlanta, y'all. As a one-man show, he is giving us the life of Paul Robeson. You don't want to miss it. Hateville, he's coming your way on Friday, tomorrow. Stockbridge, he's coming your way Saturday and Sunday, 404 474 8332 for ticks and information. We got Stogie Kenyatta. I'm going to stop calling up the spirit of Kwame Ture. Stokely Carmichael. Stokely Carmichael. <laughs> We've got Stogie Kenyatta on with us, y'all. And I'm so blessed. Let me tell y'all, I talked about this play like I saw it yesterday. I was just looking on my YouTube. It was two years ago That's phenomenal. that I saw this play. That's how much of an impact it had on me, especially as a mother raising a son. Yeah. Because I needed to point him in, in, in a direction. And, I mean, I, after I had the best, my son, well, y'all yeah. know my son had the best two years ever. But we, we've we got to gravitate to this. Yeah. We've got to fill up the audiences. For him to bring this three shows to Atlanta, I mean, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. But let me ask you, Stogie, do you, I mean, with the complexity of who he was, do you mix it in and mix it out with respect to segments of the show as it grows. If you saw it two years ago, Mm -hmm. is what people are going to see, um, you know, here in Atlanta, the same show that that Yolanda saw two years ago? No, um, uh, we've made some additions and uh, some inclusions because um, uh, as history uh, reveals itself, and there's some social things. So, um, yeah, we've added some songs to the soundtrack. I added Louis Armstrong's Satchmo. And you know, and and more on the, um, you know, and of course it includes Cab Calloway and a lot of the artists from the um, Harlem Renaissance. 
but yeah, so we, we brought in a lot of that and some more of the music that's relevant um, to the period. And so it's um, it, it's really um, it's like life. It's a, it's a constantly evolving thing, you know. Like uh, as people constantly evolve and get smarter and different and brighter, and we go from you know uh, from having a a desktop computer to a laptop to an iPad to a phone and smartphones, and it's a constant thing. And so we have to always embrace that change because um, uh, we as Africans in America, we're not, even, if, even when we're not um, inventors um, of an idea, we are certainly our creators of a style. What? And so we have Amen. this unique and so yeah so without a doubt um uh it is um uh it'll be it'll seem brand new in many in many many ways well do do this for me for those who have not yet ventured out into into a theater setting just kind of explain what it means to do a one-man show uh well uh, the concentration is a little bit different because i age um i open um uh, as his father as a runaway and we go from that period into him at five years old and so um, I have costume changes. I change right in front of the audience, and so um, so you will get to see me um, uh, down to um, briefs and, uh, and underwear, and uh, and um, and we sold uh, the, the slavery part. I'm shirtless because that's how America sold her slaves, shirtless and in chains. And so we go through that. It's an amazing soundtrack with everybody from Harry Belafonte to Duke Ellington, Cap Calloway, Fat Swallow. It opens with the soundtrack of Roots and a little narration from the Nas, it was written album, and it goes all the way through, through all of our music uh, throughout the piece. And everybody mm -hmm. from um, Lena Horne to Sarah Vaughn and all of those people, you know, um, play a role within it. And so it's, um, it has call-outs, it's, um, it's love, it's laughter, it's like life. It comes with pain and heartache and, you know, and joy and, you know, and on top of it, it's a love story. It's a 44-year love story with him and his uh, beautiful wife, Eslanda, his soulmate, and, you know, um, and just this thing, you know, um, of growing up in an America that was blind to a black man's dreams. And I, I say to people all the time, this is your, this is your life's passion to tell this story. Why, why Paul Robeson? Uh, well, because um, uh, I look like him, and, um, and so we're from the same tribe, and he was uh, intelligent, he was an athlete, and I love sports. Um, uh, he loved women, and um, I love women, and uh, <laughs> he was a fun guy. He was charming, and he's unique because um, he's left brain and right brain. Uh, he was like Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown and Jackie Robinson, and he was also Thurgood Marshall and Johnny Cochran and W.E.B. Dubois. You know, it's as if I told you that Michael Jordan graduated magna cum laude from Harvard and went to law school. Wow. He would go, like, man, stop playing. But that's what he was. He was an all-American, you know, who also was the, the smartest kid in the room. And so um, he was a paradigm for African-American success because he succeeded in everything that made African-Americans rich and famous, mm -hmm. which were athletics, entertainment, law, and social justice. Mm. You'd be hard-pressed to find a famous African-American um, of prominence during that period that wasn't from one of those four categories, um, entertainment, athletics, law and social justice you know and when we have social justice two of the world's greatest speakers would be martin luther king and malcolm x and you know and they led in social justice as did frederick Douglass. and so when you look at that you know to have your best athlete and a great singer and an actor in movies and with a law degree and he's also a social intellectual and so that was the thing that he was so diverse you know um i appreciate the work martin luther king did 
but you can't tell me he had any fun. Um, Robeson had fun because he not only played ball and became All-American, he played in the early NFL, you know, but he traveled all over. He learned all those languages. He'd been to 50 countries, and, you know. And so it's an amazing achievement, you know, under that social criteria in that period of time. Mm. Let's let's take some more call. Let's go. Is that Neb? Yeah. All right. I'll tap Uncle Josh Neb. Um I just want to um, shout out, um, I know they were talking about the thing with the lion and everything like that. Cecil the and, lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my whole thing is, is, to me, we should celebrate that because actually that symbolism of that lion's name, Cecil, that's a total disrespect to Africans altogether. Cecil Rhodes used to rape and kill little boys and throw them off cliffs. And still today they call it a Rhodes scholar and all this other stuff. That's why in South Africa they're tearing down his statues and throwing all his memories out. So that's number one with that Cecil thing. So we should be celebrating that something named Cecil in Africa got slaughtered. Now, number two, when it comes to the, um, I know I heard somebody say, um, Paul Robeson, I give a shout-out to him a little bit, you know what I'm saying, respect. But when it comes to W.E.B. Du Bois, Ace Philip Randolph and all of them, they were nothing but sellouts. They sold out a whole movement when they tried to get, well, not tried to, when they got Marcus Garvey deported. The whole whoa, 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 brother, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I cannot sit here as, as somebody who is a scholar of W.E.B. Du Bois uh, and Marcus Garvey and, and Booker T. Washington, and here you say that they got him deported. If you remember, Marcus Garvey decided upon himself to, re- to actually renounce his U.S. citizenship. Well, crickets again. Uh, I mean, uh, listen. Okay, this is Antavius Williams. You, we're not going to just be sitting here while I'm here. I mean, I'm an intellectual as well. I'm not going to just. And I, I, I can appreciate everybody's point of view, mm-hmm. but let's make sure that we're accurate in our facts. In facts. Uh, because we're not. I mean, yes, W. E. B. Du Bois had his issues, but I was at Clark Lane University when they tore down this man's house and threw all of his books out on the on the. I mean, he was dead and gone by then. But uh, we we don't have an appreciation for our history, and that's we can't why, rewrite the facts all right all right stogie i'm gonna uh, get ready to let you go just remind everybody uh where they can see the play and give us a number one more time um it's in hateville um at the hateville performing arts center on friday at eight o'clock and it's in stockbridge uh saturday night at 8 p.m and sunday at five and um uh the number um well i, I give it i don't have it right now because I've got, um i've got it 404-474-8332 and we'll, we'll, we'll keep that number handy and let everybody know to definitely please go out and check out this play. It's an awesome opportunity for us to live, relive a bit of history uh, this weekend in Atlanta. Thank you so much, Stogie Kenyatta.